right, what's going on? Welcome to Canal and Bell on this Monday. Danny Canal and Rajah Bell with you. A ton of ton of stuff we have to get to. A big NFL weekend, including some surprising upsets. The NBA, right here at CBS, we put out a top 100 list of players. There's some uh, eye-opening rankings on that that I can't wait to get Rajah's thoughts, as well as a little bit of controversy on our hands with uh, GM from the Houston Rockets, Daryl Morey, tweeting a little bit about politics, and it's getting him and the NBA possibly into some issues there. But over the weekend, before we get to NFL, there is breaking news out of NFL. I actually, this is funny, because our little text chain between me, you, and Joey, uh-huh. it did get fired up a little earlier than usual on Saturdays. Miami's just getting blasted uh-huh. by Virginia Tech, and I didn't even see that coming. Like, I had no yeah. idea. Like, I thought, oh, this was the game. Virginia's going to get a confidence boost, get back on track. Instead, they're down 28 to nothing. It was ugly. Yeah, you know, it was ugly. Um, I, I definitely didn't see it coming. And now I'm worried. You know how, you know how I feel about, yes. and, and I'm not lobbying for this, but when they throw your head coach up on the screen just for the general, like, hi fans, I'm Manny Diaz, like, yeah. woo woo, and the boo birds come out, I, you gotta be worried, bro. It's not a good look. And there are all kind of things surrounding the program. Allow me to rant real quick. Uh, you, I've always supported the chain and the swag and all of that. Sure. That's reserved for the boss, like the one doing the dictating of terms. Like you can do that when you're on top. When you're not and you're losing, we shouldn't have no touchdown rings out. No. Like the lack of discipline. I'm, I'm just, there's some fundamental things there and I don't, I, I don't know where it starts, I'm, but it's not a good look. I, as far as like the old school, new school approach to celebrating and there's a, there's a lot more attention to me, right? And kids are raised in a generation where they want to put out a viral video. Yeah. They want their brand to be lifted up. I'm kind of getting coming to grips with that, and I'm becoming more and more okay with it. But I've kind of determined it, and this is what kind of with baseball bat flips. It's situational. Like you, there's a yeah. time and a place. Like when Baker Mayfield goes into Ohio State, plants the flag. A lot of people are upset about like, nah, you know what? He beat them, so he can do that. Right. Say the same thing. Like if you want to bring the turnover chain out, if you want to do all that, if you're winning and it like it mattered in the game, then by all means, bring out whatever thing you have. But when you're getting blasted at home like that and you're still down two touchdowns and you have a long way to Terrible go, look. don't be bringing that out. So, I don't know. We don't want to spend too much Terrible. time. You, just wanted, you felt like starting the, the show. You yeah. just felt like starting I wanted to get a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah. okay. I'm like, I mean, hey, I would, I'd be lying if I said that it didn't, I didn't enjoy it a little bit after yeah. what Florida State has been going through <laughs> and everybody's blasting them and Miami's just kind of flying under the radar. But if anybody uh, wants five tickets to the Virginia game this Friday. <laughs> Discounted price. They're actually favored by a point against Virginia, which I can't, I can't, I can't figure out for the life of me how that is the case, but we'll get to preview that game later in the week. Uh, let's get back to the news that matters. Um, there has been a coaching change in the NFL. There has been a firing. This was the odds on favorite from the sports books, which I think is kind of a messed up line that they've had out there since before the season. It's like coach most likely to get fired first. And Jay Gruden is that, uh, coach. You never want to be that person. But it's been ugly. They're still winless. He has not had very much success. 35 and 49 and one under 500. Uh, only one playoff appearance to show for it. No playoff wins. I thought what was most egregious and why you could see this writing on the wall was last week he was asked about Dwayne Haskins and Colt McCoy and a reporter said, what's the plan at quarterback for the weekend? And he said, there is no plan. Yeah. That to me is embarrassing. Like you, you are basically You've firing checked yourself. Out. You've checked out when you say there is no plan. Yes. It's the most important position. You drafted a kid in the first round with the 16th pick overall. You're supposed to have a plan for him, and just to go out there and say you didn't. I thought that was him, like throwing in the towel. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, at that point the writing was on the wall in Washington. He knew the writing on the wall. 
the right the writing was on the wall and and he was checked out like it's what it just reeked of um you know i know what the deal is whether it's this week or next week i'm getting fired and i'm not invested here anymore um and you know i'd really like to know i mean i you just spit all the numbers out and you know yeah those aren't great numbers you probably deserve to get fired but you know how much of it was that and how much of it was this disconnect that's been you know uh that's kind of started there because of the quarterback they selected in the draft right and the rumors that you know, he and his coaches didn't want Dwayne Haskins, um, and ownership did want Dwayne Haskins, and and like how much of it revolves around the handling of that position uh, ever since the draft. And don't forget, this isn't the only quarterback they've had issues with. Kirk Cousins was a, a source of contention between the front office and the coaches, right. but I think that's a massive part in it because this is their future, whether they like it or not. Dwayne Haskins is the future. When you spend that first round pick on him. You're going to build the franchise around him. And if you're the coaching staff, you know, maybe, and this is why I kind of felt like maybe Jay Gruden was a spot where he was like, you know what? Get me out of here. Right. Like I can't win. I don't, and maybe, you know, and, and, and it's probably not an indictment on Dwayne Haskins specifically that Jay Gruden, Gruden didn't want him. It was probably he was thinking, all right, if we can't get a top five quarterback, then I don't want any, right. you know, and we, we need to spend that first round pick on a different position. Because we have way more glaring needs than quarterback, but you've had an owner who has a long history in Daniel Snyder of doing whatever he wants to do, and when you have an owner who doesn't put in the work, like he's uh, Daniel Snyder's not studying tape of Ohio State, uh, you know, offensively and judging whether Dwayne he just falls in love well, with different people, which owners do. Who's their general manager? So Bruce Allen is their uh, general manager who runs their football operations, and I. See, that's where I think this whole thing needs to be brought down because somebody, and maybe Daniel said, when, when David Sampson was in here earlier, he was saying, I wish he would just be like Jerry Jones because Jerry Jones is that owner, but Jerry Jones owns it. Right, like correct. he says, I am making these. He's the GM slash owner. Maybe Daniel Snyder, instead of hamstringing your general manager and your coach, just say, no, I'm the guy. I own this team. I'm going to do whatever I want to because then you know what? When all this blame comes, Maybe people won't be looking at the coach and the GM. They'll be saying, no, it's you. You have the problem, and you are the problem, which is what I think the case is. I think Daniel Snyder is the problem in Washington. Okay, well, uh, I mean, I guess you're always going to be enticed to take your first NFL job. But for veterans, um, for guys who have been around the league, then they maybe should be more selective about taking a gig there. The, the bottom line is when you are when you are in a position like a, a general manager – um, you have to philosophically be in line with your, with your owner. Yes. You guys have to be on the same page. It can be a nightmare, just draining, grueling, you know, process to have to be explaining and lobbying and all the time for an owner who always wants to be in the mix. So when you're taking that job, like it is of the utmost importance that the general manager, um, that's taking the job understand what the owner wants and then vice versa. The, the owner understands I'm getting a guy who sees things the way I see it. As a coach, uh, you also have to be in line with the general manager, but ultimately I think you, the coach's job is to coach. See, I, I try to compartmentalize all of them. Like an owner's yes. job is to write the checks. Yep. Right? And sign off on said checks that are being written. To some degree, you know, you, things have to be run by you, but you hire someone you trust to do that general manager job and their job is to put together the best team they can in concert to some degree with the coach who's got to play the people, right? Mm-hmm. But the coach, when we give you, when we make the final call. And so when we give you what we give you, then you got to go out there and make it work. And you, whether you like it or not, have to do the best that you can with what you got. And I don't believe he did that, Danny. I, I don't believe he gave it the best chance 
that he that he could give it to succeed, and that becomes a problem. So when you look at this, you know who I feel bad for, Dwayne Haskins. Sure, you know, like here's the, in he was overlooked by the Giants, which you know that looks like the Giants made have made the right call. So way too early to say whether Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins is a better mm-hmm. NFL quarterback. Although Daniel Jones gotten off to a better start, the Giants look smart for taking him at this point for just six weeks. It was kind of ridiculous for even saying that. But Dwayne Haskins gets selected. Feels slighted and was like, hey, man, I want to prove to everybody I can play. Now he goes into a position where we're finding out after the fact that the coaching staff didn't really want him, that the owner did. So he was in an awkward position from the start. But now you talk about his development where, you know, whether it's true or not, he wasn't ready to play or the coach didn't want him to play. It's going to be set back another year because guess what he's going to have to do? Learn an entire new offense. He's going to have to get into another playbook in just his second year. And it starts to feel like the Josh Rosen situation where he was in Arizona, had a bad coach, a bad offensive line, plays early, you get written off, you get kind of labeled a bust, and then Rosen got traded. Like, I think it's going to be an uphill battle for Dwayne Haskins. And it's already one of the toughest jumps to make in sports is going from college being a franchise NFL quarterback. And I just, I worry about what it means for him and his future. And it sucks. Like, you want it, I want them all to succeed, to have an, at least to have a good opportunity to show people what they can do. And I don't know when Dwayne Haskins is going to get that opportunity because oh, it's not coming this year. That's dysfunction at its finest is what it sounds like, right? And you're right. Who's the Bill Callahan? Is that who's the, uh, who's the interim yep. right now? Yep. But you think he's going to be the head coach next year? No. No, he's not. <laughs> and, and so if you, if you're bad to the degree that you're bad right now, when you bring in that new guy and you just made the mistake as a franchise of not taking a quarterback that your coach wanted, you have an opportunity to take another quarterback with a new coach who may not love Dwayne Haskins. What do you think you're going to do? Right. You're not going to make the same mistake twice, I nope. imagine, right? And so it does then start to sound a lot like the Josh Rosen situation. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's keep this thing rolling because that's the news out of there. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs lose. That is a major story from the NFL. Um, so last week, the Chiefs were held in check, but they found a way to win. Right. They go into Detroit, and you're like, hey, this is a great team. They find a way to win ugly. Last night, they not they don't, they don't show up, not as impressive, and they lose – to a team in Indianapolis Colts with Jacoby Brissett, and you're like, all right, is there a problem with the Chiefs? You're shaking your head no. Uh, yeah, there there is a, there is a slight problem. Um, They can't stop the run. Like, they, they just got bullied up front. Up, and I shouldn't even just say stop the run. They just got bullied. They're, the Chiefs' offensive line got bullied. Patrick Mahomes was running for his life most of the game. I, I do think the ankle injury or the lower leg injury had some impact on what, what he could do. Um, but they were getting bullied. And then on the flip side of that, their defensive line was getting bullied as, yeah. as, you know, Indianapolis just continued to punch the ball down their throats. But first of all, Indianapolis is a good team. Like they're, they're good. Yep. And I don't think people are giving them credit after Andrew Luck, uh, you know, retired the way he did, but they are a good team. And secondly, like Kansas City is really banged up, Danny. And I know we've said on here, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes makes everybody look better and you got a guy named Pringle running around there making catches and stuff. But over the last two games, the amount of drops, mm-hmm. right? Even Travis Kelsey last night, three drops. Like, you know, against the Lions, they were dropping balls left and right. And penalties have put them in a really tough spot. And you couple that with the injuries that they've sustained to, like, big-time players like um, Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill. There's only so long you're going to be able to overcome that. So I don't think they have a huge problem. They need to get healthy, though. Yeah, a couple things uh, resonate with the Chiefs. One, and Patrick Mahomes specifically, we put – and this is what we do in our society, like from a media standpoint, you put people on a pedestal and you treat them like gods, right? Like Patrick Mahomes. And he is, and he's been awesome. Sure. But he's human, right? right? Like he's human. So, and I think the Chiefs team is human, as we saw clearly. 
The other thing, you just mentioned the Colts being good. The Colts had one of the best offensive lines in football last season. Right. And I think that's starting to show. You know, and Jacoby Brissett, I think he was one of the under, most underrated quarterbacks in the NFL just because he hadn't seen him play very much. Had a full, you know, kind of offseason of work taking their one reps. I think they're a pretty good football team. And I would not be worried about Mahomes, despite his numbers being down somewhat. They're they're kind of human, right? There's 56% in the last two games. Only 636 yards. If you say only, that's still over 300 yards a game. The touchdowns are down. But as you mentioned, no Tyreek Hill. Guys are Watkins left that game early. You know, they're having issues. He's still the same guy. Like, yeah. he doesn't forget how to play football. He's still going to give them a chance to win. I still think the Chiefs, I hadn't picked them to, to win the Super Bowl coming into the season. I'm not jumping off that just yet. Sure. Like, they're human. And here's what I think is going to be a process for them is learning how to play physical football when your offense isn't necessarily physical. Yeah. We've seen this happen a lot of different places. Um, in college football, you see it a lot with teams from the Big 12 because there's a lot of air raid systems. That's all you practice against. Oregon, historically, from the Pac-12. Remember, they were flying all over up-tempo, but defensively, they struggled to have like a, a real tough mindset. Mm-hmm. When your identity is an offensive team, which is what the Chiefs are, that's all you're seeing in practice. That's all you're kind of seeing a lot of offense. It's hard for you to get a defensive mindset. And they do need to develop that, or else they won't be able to win a Super Bowl. Right. But I think that's a process of trying to figure out your identity as an offensive-driven team. How do you get enough defensively? And they didn't get it last night, not being able to get off the field. Yeah. 37 minutes, the Colts had the balls, only 22 for the Chiefs. Look, that's the best The best defense against Patrick Mahomes is keeping him off the field. Like, he wasn't bad. Now, he wasn't on his A game, I don't think. But he still, if you let him get out there for a few more series and 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 go to work, you don't think he would have put up, like, stupid video game numbers? He would have. Right. But Indianapolis was running the heck out of the ball. And of the 14 games that were played yesterday, Danny, um, 12 of the winning teams won the rushing battle. Uh, two didn't. And one of those only won it by two yards. So, like, I would also make the case that Kansas City, even though um, they're obviously going to live and die by the, the pass, they have to run the ball better. Yep. They have to be able to, just, to sustain drives a little better. And they were, you know, that running game was anemic. And, you know, I'm not a football, like, guru and stuff. But, you know, losing Kareem Hunt um, has to hurt. And they have an inability – to run the ball. And even greats like Patrick Mahomes, if they know you're not running the ball, it becomes exponentially harder to make something happen uh, down the field. If I'm a team that's playing against the Chiefs, and I would have said this last, like if you would ask me how to beat the Chiefs, I would have said just generically, keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes. Mm-hmm. Like, because you're not really going to stop him. You're going to try to slow him down. And the best way to do that is to keep him off the field. Keep off the field and yeah. then he, the longer you can do that, which the Colts did, they had uh, Marlon Mack goes off for 132, so they were clearly able to establish the line of scrimmage. But when you're out there and every time you're scoring, which is what the Chiefs have been doing, they've been, you know, he's had four or five touchdowns going up and down the field. You get into a rhythm. It becomes a rhythm-based offense, and you're used to kind of going out there, scoring, come back, get a quick break, going out there, scoring, come back, get a quick break. When you go out there and you get off the field, all of a sudden you're waiting around. You're sitting for Man. 20 minutes. Yes, yeah. you're sitting there waiting. You just lose a little bit of that momentum. Yeah. And I think you could see that coming into play. And I think that the Chiefs now, like every other team, is going to do that. And again, I said it before, they were dominated in the time of possession. 37 minutes for the Colts, only 22 minutes of the ball for the Chiefs in that game. So that's something to watch out for for them. The other kind of, and I think this one might be a little bit more significant than the Chiefs losing. Obviously, the Chiefs have only lost one. But the Cowboys now lose two in a row, which usually the trend you see in the NFL 
They played bad against the Saints. They didn't look good, lethargic, and you kind of wake up and get back on track. Right. Problem was the Cowboys are playing a really good Green Bay Packers team, and so now they fall to three and two, losing back to back games. But I think the thing that is more alarming here is we were talking about Dak Prescott as an MVP caliber player. Hey, he's going to get paid. He's going to get all this yeah. money. He's come back to a little bit of reality, and he's come back to look like the quarterback that he was that had people questioning whether he was going to be the franchise. And I don't think that's fair yet. But, again, you're talking about game plans, how to beat people. If you're playing the Dallas Cowboys, it is take away Zeke Elliott and let Dak Prescott beat you. And until he starts doing that on a regular basis, that's going to be the team's game plans to beat him. Um, yeah. First, let me attack why this is different for the Cowboys than it is for the Chiefs. Um the Cowboys' three wins are against the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. Mm. They're all bad. Yep, awful. Right? Yep. They're all awful teams. And so their two losses come to the only formidable teams that they played. So that's got to be concerning, you know, if you're a Cowboys fan. Those numbers that you spoke of that Dak Prescott were putting up, also against the really bad teams. What do you do if you're a franchise quarterback? What do you do when you play the really good teams? Now, I'm not ready to say um, that they can't have a reversal of fortunes here the team and Dak Prescott, I still believe that the Cowboys are in a position where they're ultimately going to have to pay him a whole lot of money to play quarterback for them uh, because I don't believe they're going to be this team for the rest of the year. But if they can't get the ship righted, uh, th- then then they have an issue. And this is where you need leadership. Like This is really where you make your money Yep. if you're Dak. I mean, look, leading f- teams down the field and throwing touchdowns is one thing. Like Culturally in the building, being that guy that people rally around to get things pointed in the right direction when everything – you know, is, is in chaos. That's where leaders make their money and quarterbacks are your ultimate leaders. Right. And yep. so, you know, let's, I'm going to sit back and watch if he continues to slide, he'll be losing money. If he gets it fixed and, and he's just, you know, a, a, a good quarterback going forward, he's still going to get paid a lot of money. Yeah. He's still going to get paid a lot of money, but I do think you have to have the discussion because all we heard was Dak is breaking the bank when it was three and oh, and he's putting up these awesome numbers. And even then, I would have said, well, hold on a second. Like, I don't necessarily know if he's going to break the bank yet. Um, but now you have to say, hey, is he losing a lot of money? I think he's losing some money. But in the end, I think it might be better for the Cowboys. Like, I still want to see him get paid. Do but you, I still think Jerry will pay him as their franchise Do you think he's guy. losing money? See, there are two different numbers that we're talking about. Right. The first number um, was where Jerry was this summer and Dak didn't agree to it. Right. The $35 million. Was it, I think it was 35. Then he said he wanted 40 or something. Then there, was, then there was another number after right. three games that we got to where you were like, okay, you need to bet on something. yourself. I was right. saying, but you know, like just ride it out. You think he's lost money from the first number or the second number? I think eventually he lands, he falls somewhere at 30, which that might have been the first number you were talking about. Okay. And then he said 40 because he probably wanted to come in at 35, right. which is Russell Wilson has. But I think he comes in at 30 a year. But I think, again, that might be the best for everybody, including Dak Prescott. Now, yeah, it's going to take money out of his, his pocket. But if he doesn't break the bank and get this record-setting deal, it might allow better players around for, him to get. And I know you hate hearing that. No, first of all, thirty million. No, 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 no. That's, I'm, I'm going to just say, first of all, thirty million dollars. You're a fourth round pick. They're giving you thirty million dollars exactly. a year. But what are you ha- waiting on? Having, having said that, there is a market value, right? Like I always talk about the market, right? right. But like me, I'm like, but thirty million dollars. Let me get that right now. I, I think if they play, look. First of all, I don't even know if they're the favorite now. Like, they, like in, right. the, in the NFC, they, they 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 have some stuff to prove. But if they should win that, um. And and he doesn't have to have staggering numbers, Danny. But if he leads this Cowboys team to like an NFC, you know, title game. Uh, but that's what it has to be. And I think that's what's very interesting is we thought they were going to win the division. All of a sudden, the Eagles are starting to look a little bit better. 
The Cowboys look vulnerable. So what if they're eight and eight again, nine and seven again, and they get bounced in the first you've round? Lost, whether it's you've the lost first, money, you've yeah. lost money if you're that. I think more important because I don't. I think Dak is safe. I think Jason Garrett is an interesting target there because I think all of a sudden you have to start looking at something, saying we are the definition of mediocrity, right? The, right. the really the outlier was Dak and Zeke's rookie year when they you know were fourteen and two. And all of a sudden, they're like, hey, this is the future. But then they've kind of come back some. And that's been really the norm of Jason Garrett's career, has been around 500. Then I think he becomes vulnerable as somebody who's going to take the fall. Because I don't think Jerry, if they underperform this year, I don't think Jerry sits idly by and doesn't do anything. Yeah, well, he doesn't seem like that type no, of cat. Um, no. Here's what, I mean, Jason Garrett, you have a new offensive coordinator, right? And we and he was praised through what four, four weeks. Ella Moore, yeah, he's only like twenty six years old, twenty seven years old. If I'm Jason Garrett, you know what I say to him today? Why didn't we get Zeke the ball yeah, more? Ezekiel <laughs> Elliott, the dang on ball. What what are the numbers here? Um, they they are seventy five. Where is it? If they're Dak, one and eight. The when, Cowboys are one and eight when, when Zeke, Zeke rushes for less than seventy five. Now, if a defense is just super stout and they hold you, hey, you tip your hat, God bless you, bro. We'll line up again another day, and and we'll do this. But when I'm only giving him the ball 12 times, Danny, mm-hmm. like I haven't really given him a chance to get over 75. Right. Right? And that becomes a problem for me when I'm when I'm Jason Garrett and my job is on the line, when and, those numbers are right in front of me. Yep, and we don't have time to talk about it, but the, Cowboys, or the, the Packers, on the other hand, they look really good. You know their offense is going to be okay, but their defense looks legit mm-hmm. for sure. And we'll have more time to talk about them the rest of the week. Welcome back to Kinnell and Bell hanging out on this Monday. The NBA preseason is in full swing. And if you follow the Lakers on Twitter, uh-huh. you better take what they're doing in the preseason seriously. After they beat the Golden State Warriors, they put out a little final score picture with LeBron and AD, and it said, consider this a warning, NBA. Uh-huh. Everybody's on notice now. Lakers ready to run. They didn't say all this, but I'm, this is what all I'm right, picturing in my mind. No, all but right. they did say consider this a warning NBA, and they were getting pretty chesty yeah. out there puffing out their chest. And it was impressive. AD had 22 and 10. LeBron had 15 and 8. They looked really good. But as I would say in the NFL, mm-hmm. preseason doesn't mean squat. So why are we sitting there puffing our chests out if you're the Lakers? Um, I don't think the win um – would be any reason to puff your chest right. out. But I do think good. that oh, yeah, the chemistry not... that those two displayed um, is something that, that you can be excited about if you're a Lakers fan. Um, you know, LeBron with the quick four or five assists, like in the first six minutes, just basically playing yeah. pick and roll. Like, um, I, 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 the, you know, Rondo on the lobs to AD. Look at that, coming off the tight curl and the slip to the rim, uh, spin out for the lob. Like, I think those things, the chemistry that you see and the ability to make plays, LeBron on the mismatch, he caught Curry down on the block, just throwing it over the top, double, kick out. These are things big men, that's a tough move for a big 6'11 guy, bro, off the bounce. Like, the the versatility, some of the chemistry that was displayed, um, you know, with the three-headed monster there, if you will, with Rajon Rondo included in the mix. Those are things you can build on. Those are things you should be excited about. The win itself, I, I don't know. Right. I mean, the yeah, the wins and losses don't matter at all. Uh, and you, who knows? when it's If they lose their opening night, we're going to sit here and say, what's wrong with the Lakers? It's what we sure. do. But I would definitely say, and I would think even any fan would say, yeah, the preseason doesn't mean anything. But you want to have a good vibe. Like, you want to have a good feeling and some momentum going into the preseason. Like, if there was 
if they were awful in the game, I think we'd probably be talking about that too. So they're doing what they're supposed to. Do. Yeah, absolutely. I would have been more excited if, if Kyle Kuzma was out there. Right. And I saw I could get a good look at, at like four of your five starters. You know what I mean? But I think it's a good start. I, look, the Lakers, people can say what they want. Um, and we'll get into like the, the CBS releasing. Like yep. LeBron is a beast. Yep. You know, AD is super talented. I can't call him a beast yet because I just haven't seen him win. Right. But LeBron is an absolute monster. All right. Since you mentioned it, uh, when we talked before about a top 100 list, I believe it was ESPN's top 100 players. And we kind of ripped like, who are these dudes? Who writes these articles? <laughs> we got to be careful right. when we rip in this one because this is our very own CBS Sports has released their list. Our list yep. of top 100 players. Okay. Checking in at number one, maybe surprising to some as he's getting up there in age and is coming off an injury season, is LeBron James. Do you have any beef with LeBron James being listed at number one currently going into the season? He is the best player in the NBA. I do not. Um, would you have, like, if, if MJ was coming off of an injury, would you have knocked him off his throne for, like, uh, no. next guy up? I think LeBron's going to be primed right. to have an incredible season. Me this too. Year. So I'm, I was just kind of setting you up there. But look, this is going to be the healthiest and the most refreshed he's looked because he had last year off for the most part. Exactly. He's going to look a and lot think better. Think about how many times he's worn out his body into late June. Correct. Trying to win, you know, NBA championships. Now Correct. he's had some time to refresh, not only physically, but mentally, yeah. getting away from it, just being able to kind of, to reset that button, I think that'll be huge. Playing with a new team, like another, like another new time. I know it was new last year, but some fresh blood around him. Looking at Anthony Davis is one of the best players in the league. Mm -hmm. I think all of these things are why he's set up to have a prime season. And it would beg the question, all right, if LeBron isn't number one, then who should be? And I'm going to, I have a, I don't know if it's a hot take or not. You tell me. <laughs> because Kawhi Leonard, I think at this point in time, is a little bit overrated. And I want you to hear me out somewhat. Okay. Um, I think you got a ton of credit for single-handedly giving the Raptors their first NBA championship. And I would say it wasn't as single-handed as we made it out to be when you're saying, hey, this is Kawhi Leonard basically putting this team on his back. I thought he had a pretty talented group around him. And I also think he had the benefit of going against a Warriors team, which was pretty depleted for injuries. Not to take away from what he's doing, but like when you put him up there in that conversation of he's the best player in the NBA from that standpoint, I say he's overrated. Um, and I he had all 22 games last I, year. I think it's fair um, to say that he had a better supporting cast than we give them credit for for having been. Uh, I think it's also you know it's common knowledge that the, the Golden State Warriors were banged up. I do think he's a remarkable player. Here's where I would say that LeBron is still the number one player for my taste. Kawhi beats you offensively and defensively. He yeah. Beat you. But the one knock that I have on Kawhi, and maybe he's got to grow into it, is he doesn't really facilitate and make everyone else around him better. He'll carry you like offensively. He's going to get those buckets and stuff. LeBron is the type of player that just brings it all together. Like he can carry you offensively. You can put the saddle on him and, 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 and ride him to the finish line. Um, he's not the defender that he used to be. But LeBron can orchestrate the offense. He makes people around him exponentially better. Um, and that's what separates him from me. You know, all things considered equal and you're talking about two healthy and we're comparing two healthy players and we're comparing apples to apples. So you would have Kawhi too. I would. Okay. Yeah. What about three? So Steph Curry is listed as the third best player, uh, in this season's rankings uh, ahead of Giannis. Ahead of James Harden, ahead of Anthony Davis, who we were just talking about. Any beef with that one? Cause that one I think was a, kind of polarizing pick yeah that that three four five six is a really really interesting conversation steph curry um james harden Giannis. um 
I think I would have Anthony Davis six. I'd slide James Harden either to three or four uh, or five. Uh, I don't really ultimately have a problem. You're talking about unique skill sets. Like Giannis and Steph Curry, let's just use them for example. Yep. They're like polar opposites, right? Right. They're both weapons, but just the opposite weapons. One is around the rim shooting like 60%, and he's 6'11", you can't stop him. The other might shoot it when he comes across half court, but he's a little bit more limited when he gets around the rim, right? Yep. I guess ultimately, you know, Steph may have the advantage just because it's harder to account for where he's going to kill you from. Right. Like Giannis, you could just try to pack the heck out of the paint and challenge him to finish around five people. So I'm not really, but you're splitting hairs at that point. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, do you like these lists? I don't. I don't either. I can't say the NFL does them. The NFL network puts them out there. Top 100 players. Cause just in looking at this list, I think you end it same way for me. I, I would have quarterbacks, the top 20 every single year. Cause I think it's the most important position right. in the game. Like even when we're discussing some of these players, I think you have to group them together. Like you should have put Steph Curry in a grouping with James Harden, Dame Lillard and Russell Westbrook. Like put the smaller guard types sure. in one, put the bigs in another one, compare them to each other. And different franchises might have a different need for some, you know, for different positions. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, that's what drives me nuts is when you are comparing apples to oranges, like a Steph Curry to a Giannis or an Anthony, like, what are we doing? Right? And I get it, but it's just, I think it's even more unique in basketball because of the uniqueness of the positions that they play and the size differentials that you get. Absolutely. You know, um, like, I, I get it. Like, I get it drives clicks and it drives conversation. Not my favorite conversation to have. I don't really love it either. I know we have to do it. Um, you can look when you're talking about LeBron and Kawhi. I think we're, we can agree you're one and two. Anything after that, I think you have like, you know, slots of five that you should lump together, right? And they could all be, it could all be fluid. So again, when you're talking Steph, Giannis, James Harden, and AD, you pick. Right. What do you like looking at better? Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? What style suits your eye more? And then after that, you can get into another list. I would say Paul George, Dame Lillard. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't even know that Joel Embiid deserves to be that high on the list. Right. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is there anybody – like, I for me, to have Russell West, Westbrook at 19, who was an MVP not that long ago, I think is a real overreaction to a bad season last year. That's, now he's going to be on a new team. Like, I think you could see him at the end of the season being like, why do we have him so low? Listen, you – no disrespect, CBS Sports, NBA top 100 list makers. Um, but if you have Carl Anthony Towns, Draymond Damn Green, right. <laughs> Bradley I mean, Draymond Beal, Green at 12, like ahead of like uh, like seven slots ahead of Russell Westbrook. Yeah, we're bugging. <laughs> that's like I'm that's saying. all I can say to this you. Is You're a bugging knee out. Jerk reaction to one bad year. I think they're going to be regretting it after the season he has with Houston this season. Um, Kemba Walker comes in at 16. Uh, he was on the Hornets. Do you know how many players the Hornets had in the top 100? The Hornets. And Kemba's with the Celtics? No, none. Exactly. Yeah. Zero. Which to me is pretty crazy considering 30 teams, you know, like you would expect there'd be representation of at least somebody on right. there. I'm like, man, how bad is that team going to be this year? Cause you got to have a guy at least. And they had Kemba now that he's gone. Like, it's going to be ugly. So I should apologize to Kemba. I didn't really kill Kemba last year. But remember, right. I would ask the question when he got traded to the Celtics, um, whether his ball dominance in Charlotte was out of necessity because there was nothing else around him. <laughs> right. Or, or he marginalized everyone else because <laughs> no. of his ball dominance. No. Clearly, yes. it was out of necessity. It, um, so I just, it absolutely <laughs> was. And it'll be interesting to see what he does. I mean, yeah. this NBA season is going to be fascinating because there's so many guys that have moved around. And there's such more compelling uh, races in both the Eastern and Western Conference for different reasons. It's going to be a ton of fun. 
Welcome back to Canel and Bell, continuing on in the NFL. So the Steelers were playing behind Mason Rudolph uh, yesterday uh, against the Ravens. They're having a pretty good game. It's unfolding. Mason Rudolph had a great game yeah. against the Bengals on uh, Monday night. They're playing, and all of a sudden, you see one of these incidents unfold that nobody wants to see. I've seen these happen quite a few times at practice. Seen, you know, neck injuries, seen, um, fractured limbs where they're, you know, you know, totally broken. These to me are one of the scariest when you see a player who looks like he's put to sleep, literally. And that's how Mason Rudolph was going to pass, goes to throw. Earl Thomas comes out of nowhere from the safety position, comes up and cracks him right in the head. Mason Rudolph is unconscious in the air before he hits the ground because he did jump up and he's out. His fingers go lump. His oh. head hits the ground again. And he's kind of got that, I don't know what the term is for it, but it's like rigor mortis when you like die. Yeah, you're, fr- you're kind of flopping around. Uh, I don't know if you saw this. After the hit, players are coming over right after it happens. Juju Smith-Schuster, his wide receiver, not only is he crying, when he comes up, he faints like he faints. Juju Smith-Schuster is brought to his knees. See him? Yeah, oh wow. He comes in and like can't, his he buckles his legs because he's so like taken aback. And it's scary because you honestly don't know. Having been in that position, you're checking on a player. You like you don't know if they're dead. Like it's crazy. Yeah. You know the Steelers. Not to interrupt you, but real quick, the Steelers. If anyone would be like hypersensitive to a scene like yes. that right now, it'd probably be the Steelers, right? Right. Like Ryan Chase a couple. Absolutely, and it's scary as it gets. Um, this is the NFL's worst nightmare. Nobody wants to see this happening. They're trying to take these types of hits out of the game. And yet there wasn't a penalty for it, which I think is an egregious omission from the NFL. This is such a big fail from them. I think it was dirty, but I give credit to Earl Thomas, give him a little bit of benefit of the doubt. But regardless, if it was dirty or not, whatever the intent was, I think he has to be ejected from the game. There wasn't even a penalty. Listen to Earl Thomas, though, as he tried to defend himself afterwards. Yeah, I, I didn't think much of it. I was just getting to the ball, trying to you know make a play for my team. Uh, I didn't. I hit the strike strike zone like we talked about. I didn't go high. Uh, I didn't try to intentionally hurt him. I'm I'm, I'm worried about him. I heard he's at the hospital. Uh, my prayers go out to him and his family. But I, I'm never trying to hurt anybody. I, at the end of the day, God's our families. Uh, so I, I never try to intentionally hurt him. I was just going and uh, flying to the ball like I normally do. And uh, I was asking the ref what happened. And they said upstairs, said a part of my helmet kind of hit him in the chin. And that's what caused the flag. But... Uh, I, I still believe that I, it wasn't intentional on my part. Uh, do you believe him? I do. Um, I'm just going to take what he says at face value. I mean, you see some guys get up there, you know, uh, and a la Vontaze Burford when he got ejected and he's completely unapologetic and he's and, and he's walking off clapping. Um, he, he seemed like he was genuine, like there was, there was some real concern for Mason Rudolph. Um, I do agree with you that referees have to use some damn common sense. Mm-hmm. Like you see a, you know, something like that and it's that close. Air, hey, dude, air on the side. If there's a, if there's a league wide initiative to clean that up, air on the side of throwing a damn flag. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Just use your damn common sense. Right. Um, having said that, I do think that that hit was different for me than the Vontez Burfick hit. Yeah. Or even I the agree. one in the Saints game, um, w- with the player that got ejected. He didn't use the crown of his helmet. He didn't launch himself. Um, and try to inflict some damage with the crown of his helmet. Now, yeah, he hit him high, um, and it was unfortunate, but I could also make the case, at least watching that video, that Mason Rudolph had the ball, and he was outside in the pocket, and people were coming in high to try to affect his ability to throw the ball. You still have to be penalized. Like, I still don't like the hit, right. but I think it's in a different category than the other hits. 
fair because I think it's totally dead. Vontez Perfect was about as dirty a play as you. Yes, the guy is defenseless on the ground. He's down, like just kneeling, and that was that's as bad as it gets. And that's why I'm totally okay with him. But the combination of that hit with the history of hits, Earl Thomas doesn't have a history um, like Vontez Perfect right. did. But I do think it was still ejection worthy, especially just from a PR standpoint. You've got to send a message to the NFL. We can't condone this. Let me show you another hit from yeah. a different game, the Buck Saints game, when Carlton Davis was ejected for a helmet to helmet uh hit that I thought looked similar from this one, but if you do look closely, no, he does lead more with the crown. Launches. It's more of an attacking launching yeah, motion. He launched and he caught him with the crown of that helmet. Um for me, Danny, and you are the football like guru here, like I am not. This like, is they, the definition. They, it of looked, that is the definition. That looked like you were trying to inflict damage with the crown of that helmet. And I would, I just want to backtrack. I would have supported Earl Thomas getting ejected. Right. Like, if me I were, too. I would have supported it. Yep. Like, I, I don't think that he, you can get ejected for stuff you don't mean to do. Right. Like, do you know what right. I mean? Oh, there yeah. doesn't have to be intent for you to be right. ejected. And even if you were to be fined, um, like while he wouldn't love it, I could still support that. I just don't believe there was the same level of intent. In his hit, as there was in the one you just showed me, or the Vontez Burford. And you know what? This is the thing that's so unique about concussions, which is such we don't. There's so much we don't know about it, which is frustrating to me because I want to know more, and that's why I think we need to do more research. Different guys, like, and I, I bet Earl Thomas when he delivered that hit, he probably didn't feel like it was that hard of a hit, and that's right. what it sounded like from his perspective. He was like, "Hey, my helmet hit an area of his helmet and his chin." Sometimes that's all it takes is like the perfect yeah. blow. And Mason Rudolph got knocked unconscious. Somebody else might have gotten up and kept playing and it was no big deal. You just, you don't know with different guys the way they're going to respond to hits, which is why the NFL is trying to take all of them out of it. All of those helmet to helmet head area hits. Yeah. And they do need to do a better job so that, and again, I don't, I don't think Earl Thomas's was dirty, but I do think it was ejection worthy and fine worthy, but I don't know if he's going to get fined yeah. by the definition of the rule. Uh, it'll be interesting to see as we, uh, get going on it. Um, let's move on. There was another game. Kyle Allen for the Panthers, one of the most uh, entertaining games of the weekend. Kyle Allen and the Panthers were playing against the Jags, against Gardner Minshew. These two unnamed quarterbacks going toe-for-toe, like just back and forth, incredible plays. Kyle Allen gets the win, moves to 3-0. and It is looking more and more likely that Cam Newton's days as the franchise quarterback are done. You cannot bring him back this year. Can't Unless do. they start losing. You, I mean, well, I mean, yes. Right? If, if they were to go on a two, three game slide and he starts looking terrible. Yes. Then you go back to him. But Danny, I'd even make the case, man, if they lose two in a row, I don't know that you can go back to camp. Your offense, just use your eyeball test. Your offense hey. is producing like the weapons that were being, you know, uh, you know, neglected, if you will, by Cam Newton are now, are now producing. You are getting, um, uh, uh offense that moves up and down the field. I just, Look, I'm a Cam fan. I, 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 I'm unapologetically a Cam fan. Right. I don't know that you can go back to Cam this year unless something catastrophic happens between now and when he comes back. Anything short of that, you got to ride with this kid. Totally agree. And that's where you almost put Cam in a really bad spot if he comes back and you're running. Like, let's say Kyle Allen moves to five and zero. Oh, like, then it's really, like, it's really a tough. And now if you're Cam Newton, you would want that opportunity and you would say, well, what are you doing? But here's my issue with Cam at this point. Like, you're seeing Kyle Allen make some very basic throws, and he's just not turning the football over, and they're there to be made, which is my thing, like, with Cam Newton, can he make those? Well, why aren't you would be the question. Right. Like, you know I, what I But mean? I think that's more of a reflection on Cam Newton's lack of consistency with just the pass game. Like, Kyle Allen can't run around. When Cam can run around and make plays with his legs, 
he's close to unstoppable. But yeah, when but you make him one-dimensional, he's just a pocket passer, he's pretty average. And I think you're getting slightly above average player from Kyle Allen, which is why you would say, well, why would we want to go back to Cam? Correct. If you're not going to give me the secret sauce, right? Like, if Cam, you ain't got the secret sauce no more? Like, then we can't right. – well, then why wouldn't I go with a better passer – uh, in that equation that can make my offense productive without your legs being in the equation, right? And that's yep. where we sit. And maybe the uh, story where we buried the lead is Christian McCaffrey Oof. should be in the MVP discussion. He is special. Christian McCaffrey got hosed in the Heisman Trophy when he lost it to Derrick Henry. I thought he should have won. He had my vote. I hope he gets serious consideration in his MVP, especially with guys like Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, even Patrick oh, yeah. Mahomes falling off somewhat. He's got to be leading this discussion at this point with how consistent he's been. And if you just took it from a standpoint, impacting a team, like would, what would this Panthers team be without you him? You talk about pure value. Yes. Not who's playing best, but value. I mean, he has been remarkable, including just another day where he goes off in this game. It, um, yeah, he is fantastic. If I don't know if it's fair to him or not. Like, I'm not predicting this. I, so I worry about the amount of work that he has to do over the course of the entire season. Like, that's a lot of work to shoulder. Um, and when you talk about value, and we do this every week, like the, the odds flip every week with the MVPs, it's a three-man race, mm-hmm. right? It's him, it's Russell Wilson, and it's Patrick Mahomes. Either one of those two guys, you subtract them from that equation on their respective teams, Those and seasons are the done. seasons are done. That's the same thing, the same breath uh, Christian McCaffrey is in. I do worry, though, Danny, I'm just saying. Like, not the biggest dude. Great dude. Like, yeah. I loved our interview with him yeah. at the Super Bowl. Um, and I'm pulling for him. But that's a lot of responsibility and a lot of work on on not the biggest frame in the world. You Especially know what I mean? Especially this year when it seems like guys are dropping like flies. And I know a lot of it's quarterbacks. But still, when you're taking that much of a pounding, and he did leave the game early yesterday. I think he's going to be fine. But he did leave the game where you're sitting there thinking, man, how long can he survive? Yeah. I do think he's up to it. I don't know. I, I hope he is. I, but I wonder, like, long term. Yeah. What does it mean for him? You know, like, because you're, you're talking about tread on tires. Yeah, absolutely. He's getting a lot of wear and tear early in his career. And you hope maybe from his perspective, hey, maybe the Panthers can be onto some. Maybe they can really get this thing rolling. Better, better hold no. out this offseason, bro. <laughs> well, I guarantee you better might. Hold out I guarantee bro. you might. <laughs> you're talking about if Zeke's getting paid and all these <laughs> other get guys. That money. He's going to say, get pay the bag, me. bro. Yep, absolutely. Um, the other kind of games of note from yesterday, just hit on quickly. In London, mm-hmm. the Raiders were playing the Bears. I actually bet this game, and I took the Raiders because everybody was on the Bears saying, ah, the Raiders, who are they? You yeah. know, they've been a mess since Antonio Brown's situation. Khalil Mack, he's going to have his revenge game. Raiders all of a sudden are 3-2, and two, like completely flying under the radar. And the Bears, who were a darling you know, offseason pick this season, thinking that Trubisky would take his big step in year three, they lose him, Chase Daniels okay, and all of a sudden the Raiders look like they're a team, which I think is great. I think it's great for the NFL – and I think they're probably playing a little bit with a chip on their shoulder, which I don't think we even thought they would, would be capable of. Yeah, that's absolutely what's happening. Like people wrote them off after Antonio, the Antonio Brown saga played out. Um, and they're fired up. Um, and I do think there was extra juice for John Gruden and company yesterday playing against Khalil Mack. Yeah. Like everyone said it was Khalil Mack's revenge game, but the Raiders got skewered after that move, right? Like th- they were the ones that looked like idiots in everyone's mind for trading him. So I think they had a chip on their shoulder to go out, uh, and beat them. I, I I have to ask the question though, what do the Raiders look like with Antonio Brown? Right. Like what? I mean, that's what does that look well, like? Because they don't have they don't have a like a, a 
a premier deep threat right now, right? Yeah. That oh, could no, be they scary. Don't. Well, that's why like I took a flyer on Derek Carr to win MVP when they signed Antonio Brown because yeah. I think he's pretty good. I like off- I like the Gruden as an offensive coordinator, as a play caller. But, man, without Antonio Brown, it's like, oh, there goes that out the window. Because you're right. It could be pretty scary if they had Antonio Brown on their squad um, at the, after that situation. So a good news for one Gruden, bad news for another is the breaking news out of the NFL. Jay Gruden has been fired by the Washington Redskins. Maybe he gets picked up as a, of offensive. That wouldn't surprise me at all. If John brings in Jay. Oh, I just told my might, boys this morning. He might way, be there like listen, within six hours. Like by way, the time the flight lands in Oakland, if he wants to. On our way to drop off this morning, yeah. my two sons in the back of the car are talking about what's important. Right? Family. Family. Exactly. That's right. I tell my daughters Family. that all the time. They were Brothers. Exactly. That's right. Got to put down. family over everything. Welcome back to Canel and Bell. So history is intact. If you wonder where I was going. Yeah, where were you going? So Daniel Jones oh. was the first quarterback since... Daniel One Cannell. Daniel Cannell back in 97 to start off his career 2-0. and He was trying to become the first quarterback to go 3-0 and since Daniel, Daniel Cannell. Cannell. He did not. So he's still intact, baby. That was the news, man. History is still uh, safe there. So I still got something to hang on to for the New York Giants. Uh, not that I was rooting against Daniel Jones. I would have never done that. But the, I'm not it's sure still, about uh, that. Um, we talked about earlier about you know uh, turnover chains and all this type of yeah. stuff. So we had a UFC fight the other night, and I'm going to ask you as we play this, Israel Adesanya's intro, best or worst intro of all time? Because I don't think it falls in the middle. It's either going to be really strong. Yes, this is the way it should be. He had the dance crew out there with him. Yes. They danced for like three minutes before he even got there. Then he comes up, huddles out. Like, this is this is very like pre- This was an elaborately, elaborately yeah. choreographed. Oh, he did uh, dance with uh, him. Hey, I didn't hey, know he danced hey. with him, too. Uh. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. Whoa. Bam. I mean, this is like Backstreet Boys go to UFC. Yeah, no, this was this was dope. You know why this was dope? Oh, you like oh, it now. The shotgun and the fit. Um, you know why it was dope, Danny? What? Because he whooped his tail. Like he went in the ring and he handled his business and he whooped tail. Like it's anti Miami Hurricanes right now. Like because <laughs> he actually because he actually backed it up. Like you talk the talk and then you walk the walk. I'll co-sign on that. You, I say this to my kids all the time. Like they come up the court. You know, somebody's talking to him and they're mad. And my thing is to them, hey, man, do something about it. If you don't want him talking, then shut him up. Like, right. That's all you can do. Right. Because when he's whooping you, he can do whatever he wants. So do something about it. His uh nickname is The Last Style Bender. It's also a little complicated the for a nickname. Style bender. I, don't, I, don't. I don't even know what that means. Here's what I would say my advice would be. Love the routine. All that dancing's great. You look like Condense Jabberwockies it. or yeah, whatever yeah, it was. Jabberwockies, yeah. <laughs> Not only condense it, do it after. Like, do it as your celebration just to make sure you win. No, 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 no. No, because it might be all bloodied up. Because then you can't do it if you lose. But yeah, so then keep it on the shelf. But he's clearly a showman. I guess so. Yes, he's a showman. Just make sure you win on that one. Um, the NBA, we were going to get to the story with, uh, Daryl Morey, the Rockets GM. What a mess. It is a mess, and I think it deserves more time, and I think there might even be more to the news. That's why I want to leave it for tomorrow's show. I really I, I really hope there's not more to the news, because if there's more to the news, it's only going to be probably one thing, Danny. I know, yeah. that somebody loses their job, yeah. but that feels the direction it's going to go, but I do want to save that for tomorrow, because I think it's going to be worthy of discussion. It's really interesting. Everybody's got their eyes on China, the NBA, Daryl Morey, the Houston Rockets, all these players on an international scale, and what does it mean for the NBA and Daryl Moy's future. We'll hit on that tomorrow, but that's a wrap for today's show. Back with more tomorrow. Bell. See ya.